We are back for another episode of Coach's Corner. I am your host, Joe McDonough. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe underscore McDonough six. We are presented by Top Turtle Podcasts. All of your podcast needs, follow follow us on social media and everywhere else. Already episode nine of Coach's Corner. Uh, seems like only a few months ago we, I started this up and, and, you know, pretty special to be here and, and joined by a very special guest, a fellow New Englander, a New England legend, may I say, uh, Mr. Greg Bello. <laughs> Greg, how are you? Good, man. How are you doing? It's good to see you. I'm good. I'm good. I, I appreciate the time, man. And, um, you know, for those of you that don't know how Coach's Corner works, we go through uh, four 10-minute rounds, touching on some different topics, gyms, prospects, all the stuff. Um, and then the fifth round is a five-minute hobby-based round. So let me throw 10 minutes up on the clock, and we'll get to round number one. We're here for round number one. Greg, like I said, a little bit of a New England legend. Um you know, I don't know if you like being called that, but I'm going to call you that because because that's uh, you know I've gone to CES fights both as a media yeah. member, as a fan, and, and yeah, I mean if Greg Rubello is not there, then it's not a real CES fight. I'll take it, man. I guess you know I uh, I guess I like to, <laughs> I like to entertain the crowd, man. I, you know I had a big fan base there, so I'll take it, man. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to touch on your CES career in a minute. Uh, one thing I wanted to t- uh, talk to you about and, and someone who, you know, I've become friends with, um, you know, through interviews and all this stuff and, and someone who is like, you need to get Greg on the podcast was, was Mr. Randy Costa, um, who yeah, I think Randy. in one of my first interviews with Randy, he, he, he called you the Portuguese scumbag. So, I mean, I guess that just yeah. explains your guys' relationship. <laughs> right there. Yeah, you know, Randy's like my little brother, man. We have a really good relationship. And uh yeah, he's a he's a good kid, man. He's like the he's like that little brother that you never wanted. Then <laughs> talk to me about, you know, going through because cause you've you've cornered Randy, you you've been a coach for Randy, um, you know, you've been a training partner for Randy, all this stuff. Um, and, and talk to me about kind of watching him go from this local cage, you know, cage titans, people get amped up to see him, brings the crowd, all this stuff, just a local, you know go to Plymouth, everything to now two wins in the UFC and one, you know, his last one was, you know, a, a vicious head kick, you know, a yeah, highlight yeah. real knockout. So I, I, I've met Randy when he was probably 18 years old, 19 years old at Joe Lozon's gym. Cause I would always go there and, you know, and cross spar with like cross train and spar with Mike Rodriguez and Joe Lozon and all those guys. And uh, so I met Randy as a young kid, man. And, um, you know, I just knew like he had a lot of skills, man. He's got a very funky style and he's a, he's a really good athlete. But with him, you know, I think, you know, he took like three years off like during his amateur career before he went pro. So, you know, he was kind of a head case a little bit when he was younger. But, uh, you know, once he turned pro, man, and, and you know, you just kind of knew like this, this something about this kid. I mean, we used to go to cage Titans fights and it was just crazy, man. The fan base and the people that backed him. And, and I can tell you this, man, the, when I cornered him at TD Garden, and, uh, you know, Dana White seeing how many people were there with Randy Costa heads on and how, how popular he was. I mean, it was probably one of the loudest cheers of the night, you know. So uh, there's something special about that kid. And obviously to go with it, man, the kid could fight, man. So it's uh, I'm pretty excited to see what's next for him. Uh, absolutely, man. And uh, to bring up that night at UFC Boston, um, you know, I'm sitting on media row. You know, Tanner Bozer's walking out for the first fight. And, and behind me, there's probably maybe, you know, a couple hundred people. It's the first fight of the night. You know, if anyone's ever been to a live UFC event, people people come in as the night goes, you know. Um, yep. and, and and out of the couple hundred, there's probably 150 Randy Costa oh, yeah. fan base heads behind me screaming, we want Randy as Tanner <laughs> yep. Bozer's, you know, stepping in the ring. So, so it was insane. Exactly. And it, it was insane. And and same thing happened when he fought um in Georgia, I mean, he brought a fan base. Oh, yeah. that, that's been something 
that he's had I mean, he literally, since, he like you literally said, the brought, days. Yeah, he literally brought like a couple hundred people to Georgia and Atlanta. Because I remember when we walked out there, it's like the whole crowd's chanting, we want Randy. And everybody's like, who the hell is Randy? Like, <laughs> you know, nobody knew who he was at that point, you know? So he just, he hasn't exactly, been following. Exactly. But, you know, it's rightfully so. Like, the kid's good on social media. You know, he kind of checks all the boxes for a UFC guy. You know, that's why they really like him. And, and obviously, to boot, man, the kid's fun to watch. And, like, he goes after it, and it's fun Absolutely. when he fights, you know? Absolutely. He does check off all the boxes. So mm-hmm. let's talk about your career a little bit. You know, contender series, tough, all this stuff. I mean, what for you, and, and obviously, as we've talked about, CES legend, um, what for you was the to look back on now as, as the career is done um, to kind of look back and say, this was the top moment for me. Um, I don't know. I had a lot of them, man. Like, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the knockouts I had were pretty fun. Like the Musatelli knockout was fun. You know, Mike's a, he's a great dude and he's a really tough guy. So, you know, to be able to knock him out, I think a lot of people thought I was going to lose that fight. You know, uh, that was a good one. Um, but I honestly, I would say, I would probably say the Kevin Haley fight just because, yeah, I had just had such a big crowd there. Like, I had so many people. Like, yeah. I had aunts and uncles come that I didn't even, that, you know, are totally against fighting. I just had a lot of family that I didn't expect <laughs> to show up that showed up there. And, uh, you know, I was the last fight of the night, and everybody went to the cage afterwards. And that was just kind of a special moment for me. And Kevin's a buddy of mine, too. So, I, you know, I would say that one. That was probably, you know, one of the most fun nights, you know, that I've ever had throughout my career. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, as I think back to some of the CES events I've been to, um, you know, there's two fan bases that you you know someone – or three, I'll say. Dennis, P- Dennis Paiva, you, yeah. and then uh, John Gotti. Because I've never seen yeah. a, a, maybe a more rowdy crowd, but also, you know, all the kissing the rings. And it, it was bizarre to watch as you're sitting on Media Row and you're seeing everyone walk up and bow and kiss the rings of of Mr. Gotti and, and all this stuff. So, yeah. um, but but your, your <laughs> crowd is there right there with it. <laughs> it. It was a bizarre moment. I mean – um, so, so talk to me about the, the kind of legacy in new England, you know, CES cage Titans, all of this stuff where MMA is today with new England. I mean, you know, right now it's in a pretty good spot. I mean, Rob Fonts ranked in the top five, Calvin Cater Calvin. just fought it, you know, essentially a title contention, obviously, you know, yeah. in a losing effort, but he's right there. And then, like you said, 100%. Randy Costa, Mike Rodriguez, all these other names. So let's look at 10 years ago. I mean, 10 years ago, we had Kenny Florian. We had Joe Lozon, you know, Alex Karalexis, maybe. There was a, a handful of guys. And, uh, you know, Kenny and Joe were probably the most successful. You know, Gabriel Gonzaga had a good career as well, too. But there wasn't there wasn't that many guys and, and definitely not a lot of guys on the way up. But I feel like now, um, you know, our guys are, you know, like we have two guys in the top five right now. Like we never had that. We had Kenny Florian, who, you know, fought for a title. Gonzaga got pretty high up in the rankings, but I think right now it's definitely the most talent that you've seen come out. You know, we have two guys in the top five right now that, you know, within the next three fights, either one of them could be fighting for a title. You got guys like Randy that are in there that are very exciting, that are good prospects. And there's a lot of guys coming up, man. That, uh, there's a lot of guys like right on the horizon that are going to be signing soon. You know, um, I just think that the talent level around here is just, you know, but it all comes with the gyms. Like in, in California, I feel like is where it started. Those guys were training, right you know, long before we were. But now I think, you know, the New England guys have kind of got it figured out. And a lot of us are cross-training now. Like, if you go to Lozon's on a Saturday, I mean, it's like the best of the best guys in New England. And even guys from, you know, outside of New England all come up to get sparring there. So 
especially over the last few years of my career, it just elevated everybody. Everybody got so much better. So I'm looking at all these young kids and I'm like, wow, like it's the number one guys in New England in each weight class sparring with each other. And everybody's just got so much better, you know? So yeah, I, I would, I would say it's got a lot to do with that. Everybody kind of checked their egos at the door. Joe kind of opened up his gym with open arms and just let everybody train there. So it was pretty sweet. Man. And, and you're going to get into uh, Joe Lozon essentially being the epicenter of New England later on. But, <laughs> you know, that's something that every time I've talked to New England fighters, you know, whether it be prospects, you know, Randy Costa, guys in the UFC, whatever, that five, ten years ago, it wasn't the case where it was New England versus everyone. It was let's all fight each other. And like you just said, now it's like, yeah, let's help each other and let's beat the, you know, this guy from Kansas, this guy from California. Let's all get to the it next is, step yeah. and next level. I, so I will say that, you know, um, Cage Titans, Mike Povere, and Jimmy Birchfield and Pat Sullivan at CS, those guys are doing a great job at bringing in fighters. Like pretty much almost every guy that I've fought has flown on a plane to get there to fight me for CES. And same with Cage Titans. So they've done a good job of like bringing, you know, bringing guys from out of town in. And, uh, you know, that helps as well, too. Like so, you know, the best guys could don't because there's a, like so let's look at five years ago. Rob Font and Calvin Cater were supposed to fight each other. Like, so many promotions wanted those guys to fight each other. But Tyson Chartier, our manager, was like, no, yeah. like, these guys both belong in the UFC. Why would they fight each other? And then one guy's going to take a step down, and that's just going to be a pain in the butt when both guys belong there, you know? And we see how that played out. So I think once that played out, a lot of people started paying attention, in my opinion, you know? Um, so, yeah, I mean, New England's the New England scene, but a lot of it has to do with the shows as well. You know, those, like, Cage Titans and CS have gotten so much recognition because they're putting guys into the UFC, you know? So... People respect New England a lot more than they did 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And CES has become, you know, another, like you said, a feeding frenzy for the UFC with UFC Fight Pass mm -hmm. and everything. I yeah. mean, you know, you, Tony Gravely's fighting this week and he was a CES champion, you know, mm -hmm. so, um, or next weekend, sorry. But, um, and and I I do have to co-sign as, as much as I don't want to see, because like you said, if Rob Font and Calvin Cater fought each other, one's going down the ladder. One needs another mm -hmm. five wins to get to that next level. But it would have been fun, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would have. That's a great fight, especially back in the day, man. Those guys were both the two best guys at 145, you know, coming up. And and that brings us right around the end to round number one. So I'll throw another catch it on in round number two. We're here for round number two. And I, I do want to say, one for you, because you had such a long and great career, 26 and 9, um, one for you was the time to kind of say, and I don't know if we've ever seen the official retirement. Is, is it official? I mean, I, I listen, I just, I, I always leave the door open. I didn't say the R word. I was just like, you know, I kind of knew like that was it, but I didn't say anything. Because I've done that in the past before where I kind of was like a little emotional about it and I made a decision and then I went back and thought about it and I was like, all right, that was kind of stupid. So I just, I kind of kept my mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's funny because i was you know on instagram you see randy costa again you know the brother you didn't want uh commenting that you're the brett Favre of mma oh god he's not the only one man there's a few <laughs> of the young guys that like to bust my chops about that you know so yeah the brett Favre of mma i'm gonna punch him for that one <laughs> <laughs> well i do i do need to talk to you about you know tell me about the background in mma what got you to to where you are today and, and what was really the starting point was it always a goal of yours to be you know a fighter be a professional fighter chase the ufc dream all that stuff never no honestly i mean i was a hockey player that's kind of what got me into it you know i played hockey my whole life and uh you know it's a physical sport 
so I just kind of liked like the competition and you know I, I like physical sports man hockey was about as rough as it gets man I had more injuries in hockey than I did in fighting you know so um yeah hockey's pretty much what got me into it um there was another kid who was a tough veteran by the name of Pat Schultz I don't know if you remember and uh Pat is a really good buddy of mine and he's the one that got me into it I started taking classes with him and uh one thing led to another we, we both got pretty good or so we thought like <laughs> at the time. And, uh, <laughs> our coach, you know, our coach was like, let's sign you guys up for a fight. And, uh, I was like, all right, you know, let's do it. So we were at club Avalon on Lansdowne street in 2005, February 26, 2005. And, uh, we both fought that night and I kind of fell in love with the sport and, and it was pretty much the rest was history. Man. And, and when, cause, cause you train, um, although you train some, some great athletes, we're going to talk about that next round. Um, you also train some, you know, Joe Schmoes, you know, as if I was to walk into the gym, yeah. um, uh, when is it? Cause, cause like you, the way it, you, that you explain it is that you almost walked in kind of like that. And, and when was it for you that your coach was saying, maybe we get you a fight and, and you in your head saying, maybe I do this. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't know. I, I just got, I picked up the striking really fast. I was always like a pretty good like wrestler, like, and I had good balance and mm -hmm. stuff from playing hockey. And I liked like the physical, like, you know, I, I loved all that. So yeah, I don't know. I, I just kind of like took to it pretty fast. And, and obviously when you like something, you want to learn it more, you know? So I, I showed up to practice a lot and I got good pretty quick. And again, this is in 2005. So the MMA game was completely different. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, when, once I took that fight, I won my first fight and, and I kind of just was like, wow, this is, it was awesome, man. It was crazy, you know? So it kind of just got addicted from there, man, to be honest with you. And, and, you know, for you, what, what is the more rewarding, you know, you, you've had the great career, you've had the big moments, you know, we talked about that in round one, what for you is more rewarding to kind of have your own big moments or, or to help and, and groom a guy or girl to get to their big moments, you know, fighter versus coach. It's always interesting to me to kind of know which, which feels better. I mean, obviously both feel great, but, but which yeah, one's more rewarding coaching all day um, as a fighter, mm -hmm. like towards the end, I mean, you know, like, I don't know, it was weird. I always acted like a little, like a little sissy up until the fight. And I, and I would always call Tyson and like, I was kind of like a nervous wreck, but the closer we got to the fight, I was like completely calm. And once I got there, I was fine. And fighting just wasn't a big deal to me. Like I love to do it, you know? So when I won, it was like, cool. I raised my hand. But once I went to the back, I was like, all right, that's it. Like it's over. So for me, I, I loved coaching. Like, you know, if you look back where like Brendan Ward, when I coached him, him winning the Bellator tournament or like a buddy of mine, Josh Diekman, who he went through some crazy stuff in his life, and then he won a big fight on Bellator. Or Calvin Cater when he won a TD Garden against Shane Burgos by knockout in the third round. That was nuts. You know, Randy Costa when he knocked out Boston Salmon. Now, that was the first ESPN card in the UFC. Or even, you know, Randy's last fight. That was, like, crazy, man. The first pandemic fight that I had done where there's no crowd. For me, that that's just way more rewarding to, to help these guys out. And these guys all got further than I did, you know what I mean? I never made it fully to the UFC. So to see Randy do that. That's special to me, so it's something that you know I, I liked, and it's it's pretty sweet, man. Pretty good feeling. Yeah, and, and it seems like coaching's always been in your blood because a lot of the guys that you even just mentioned, you've been coaching while you're still fighting. You know, um, yeah. so so did you always know that when when you did decide to hang them up, that that this would be your number one priority? Hundred percent. Yeah, I know. I, I always loved coaching because I coach hockey. Every sport that I ever played, I coached. You know, so um. You know, I would coach guys or I would go, in, uh, but it always kept me in the gym too. That's why I liked it. I didn't just coach him. I trained with him so it kept me in shape. So it was never hard for me to get into a fight camp, you know? Um, but yeah, I always knew coaching. I just loved it. Like I said, I, it's, it's more rewarding for me 
to help a guy, you know, reach his goal, getting to the UFC and then me being there with him and like seeing them win. Like that was, that was more, you know, definitely more rewarding for me. I love it. And we've talked a couple of times about Tyson Chartier, uh, one of the best managers and coaches in the game uh, today, both, you know, Rob Font and Calvin Cater um, well, that's the coaching one. and, and uh, half, <laughs> half of New England, <laughs> if not all of New England's manager. Um, <laughs> and just talk to me about, you know, having a guy like Tyson, like you said, you're calling him before the fights, you're, you're nervous, you're, you're calling him and, and he's talking to you and, and to see him kind of, get to this level too, where, where, you know, you see John Anik and the UFC guys, you know, praising him about how, you know, great of a coach he's become. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, Tyson and I, we started as training partners and then became close friends. And then he started the management company. And obviously like, you know, I, I went with him because he's my friend, you know what I mean? And I trust him and, and, and he's a good guy and, and he wouldn't lie to me because I'd smack him upside his head. But, you know, <laughs> Tyson's good at what he does, man. You know, he's, he's great with the game plans. And, and he, you know, he's just a smart, intelligent kid and he's got a lot of connections. And obviously, listen, his work speaks for itself. Like you can't get guys into the UFC like yeah. he has. And he's got guys under the top five. Like his work speaks for itself. You don't get lucky. Like that just doesn't happen by luck. You know what I mean? So, yeah, Tyson's awesome, man. And, and, and you know, we trained together when we were he was in, still an amateur. You know, I probably had 15 pro fights and he was still an amateur. And now to see where he's gone, it's pretty sweet. You know, I'm, I'm happy for Tyson. I'm proud of the kid. He's a good dude, man. I love the uh, the smack him upside the head part, <laughs> and so um, so you know one of your biggest prospects that that you train with a ton, um, and someone I'm super excited about, and I've interviewed a couple times, and and I'm sure you know we were supposed to just see him on LFA is is Mr. Uh, Mitch Raposo, um, and and so talking about Mitch and you know, how far you think he could go? Because I mean, you know, I, I mean, I know I was pumped and I'm sure most of New England, if not more, was pumped to see him on that big stage in LFA. Um, and, and obviously we didn't get to see it. Yeah, man. Look, Mitch can go as far as he wants, man. As far as that kid wants to work. He, um, you know, he boxes with me. I do like some boxing with him, but his head coach, Brian and Tommy, they run Regiment Training Center and Fall River. Those guys have done a great job. They coach mm -hmm. Jorgen as well. And, uh, you know, they got a really hot gym down there in Fall River, and they got a lot of really good young guys out there. And uh, Mitch is – the kid's good, man. I mean, I'm, what is he, 21? He's I, I could be the kid's dad, for Christ's sakes. And, uh, you know, to see, where, to see where he is at his age, I think he's better than any guy I've ever seen. Like, I've never seen a guy at his age be as well-rounded yeah. or as talented as he is. Like, that kid's he's, – he's good, man, you know, and, and he's got a good head on his shoulders. He comes from a good family. Like, he's not – you know, he's all in. Like, it's all about fighting for that kid. You know, that's why I think that that kid's so special. And, and guys are like that. Guys like Rob, guys like Calvin, you see how far they go. So he's just another guy like that. You know, he's a rare breed, but uh, he's good, man. That kid's he's, he's a special kid. And he listens, and, and he's a hard worker, and he just gets better and better and better. And, you know, I like that you said he's still only 21. I mean, that that is – it's almost bizarre to think about, you know, the spot that he's in at only 21 years old. And, you know, we've got about a minute left in this round, so I want to get something in quick. Is, you know, when you think about guys like Rob, like like Calvin, like like a Mitch Raposo, you know, here at, what, 5-0, and 6-0, and um, is it is the it factor – you know, we always hear about the it factor with fighters. Is the it factor almost the sacrifices they make and just the mindset they have – to, to work as hard as they do. Yeah, absolutely. Cause if you get a guy that just half asses everything, it's going to show up at some point. You know what I mean? Like guys can't just go off of athleticism anymore. Like too many, these guys are too good guys like Mitch. They just train too hard. They're well-rounded everywhere. 
you know, and, and obviously at these big shows, it's, it's a lot of promotion. It's a lot of who you are and how you act and how you speak. So the it factor isn't just the fighting. It's, you know, it's, it is how you look. It's how, it's how you speak in interviews. It's, you know, like you, you have to have everything. You've got to check all the boxes. And he's one of those kids. And, 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 you know, it didn't used to be that way, but now with everyone, you know, all over the world, all over the country, all over the place, there's, there's a ton of people trying to be Mitch Raposo, people trying to be yeah. better than Mitch Raposo, and, and that's what keeps him going, I'm sure. Yep, 100%. Yeah. And, and that brings us right to the end of round number two. Here we are for round number th- Here we are for round number three. And so, you know, you talked about Regiment Training Center, that they're the head coaches with Mitch. Is, is it difficult at all? And, and we talked about with this with New England, just how cross-training works and everything. Everyone's intertwined almost. Is it difficult in being a boxing coach or a coach for a fighter and, and at times maybe not agreeing with other coaches or, or knowing when to not step on toes and things like that? Um, it, it's, it just depends, you know, like guys like me and, and, and Brian or, or we, you know, we'd communicate if there was something wrong, you know what I mean? Like, like Tyson and I, we talk, we would talk all the time about different ideas with Calvin and like, we would sit on the phone for hours a night. His wife probably hates yeah. me, but we would sit on the phone for hours <laughs> a night just talking about like, you know, different game plans, or I would send him a video on just certain ideas. Like, you know, that's how you communicate. And that's how you obviously like build a chemistry with another coach. Like, you, you know, we both kind of got to be on the same page. So yeah, at times it's going to be hard, but if you don't train with different guys, you're not going to get better. You get, like I had a bunch of different coaches. I had a yeah. kickboxing coach, a boxing coach, a jiu-jitsu coach. Like it's mixed martial arts. So if, if he takes something from me and it works for him, and then he adds that on with something, you know, Brian shows him or something that Tommy shows him, it's just going to make you better, you know? So you got to mm-hmm. work with more than one guy, you know what I mean? Because that's the only way you're going to get better and the only way you're going to evolve. And talk to me about some other prospects that come to mind. This is one of my favorite parts of the show on round three of Coach's Corner. We talk about the prospects at gyms, at, 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 at certain gyms that that just, I mean, you need to keep an eye on. So I'd love to add some names here for some New England prospects that, that you really, you know, that you work with or, or know of that, that you're super excited for. It's been tough because we haven't had any local shows. So none of these guys have gotten a chance to fight, you know? Yeah. And a lot of the gyms are just getting kind of back open and back going. Um, so honestly, lately I've been working, I've been, you know, grappling a lot with Jorgen, helping him. He's fighting this weekend on Saturday. I've been doing a lot of boxing with Mitch and, and obviously yeah. I still corner Randy. Um, but I haven't been working with a ton of other guys like Nate Andrews is, is, is like starting his camp. He's fighting again in, in May. But as far as the young guys, it's been tough because I don't know when cage Titans is going to put another show on. I don't know. CES is going down yeah. to Florida. So a lot of like I, I help out uh, train, you know, Kylie O'Hearn. She's one young girl who, even though her record doesn't that good, she's lost to two really good women. She's one and two, but I'm telling Absolutely. you right now, that girl, dude, she's so good. She's so good. Um, there's another young kid that I've known my whole life. His his older brother was was my best friend growing up, and uh, his name's Jeff Joy. He's the 135 Cage Titans champ as an amateur. Um, he's a little older. He's like 28. But he's going to go pro as soon. He wants to go pro ASAP. I think he was 5 or 6 and 0 as an amateur. Um, he's a 135-er. He probably could go down to 125, but he's a stud, man. The kid's really good. And, uh, you know, there's a, there's a few other names out there. Um, guys that, you know, people are already still aware of. John Duma, who fights tomorrow for Bellator, is another kid who definitely yeah. hasn't showed his full potential. Fights, fights, yeah. Um, yeah. Gary Belletto is another one. Gary Belletto 
hasn't fought MMA since Jeremiah Wells broke his jaw three or four years ago. And, uh, you know, he kind of took some time off because he rebroke it again at Lozones. I was there. So it's been a tough few years for Gary. But when I tell you there's not many kids that are more skilled than him, um, he's fighting again April 30th for CES. He's another kid to watch out for. I think he's five and two or six and two, but he is a kid that without any doubt in my mind could make 155 and fight in the UFC. No questions asked. Sir. Yeah. And, and, you know, like you mentioned with COVID and everything, and we'll get to that, we'll get to that with dealing with the gym and COVID. Um, but um, just, just what do you tell these guys and girls, you know, and Kylie's Kylie's also only like 23 or yeah. something, right? I believe yeah. she's super young too. Um, yeah. And what do you tell these guys and girls that, that have, they don't know when the next show is going to be. I mean, we've had one CS show, like you said, they're going down to Florida now for the second one. Cage Titans, we haven't seen at all. I mean, Lozon's is, is just starting to open up. I mean, you know, Randy's been in Florida because, you know, the gyms have been closed. Yeah. You know, so so what do you tell these guys and girls to, to get them to keep working hard, even though there's no real fight date in sight? It's hard to stay motivated. I mean, it really is. And uh, the biggest thing with me is I'm like, listen, when gyms start opening back up, I don't know when fights are going to be. Don't be getting in gym wars. Don't be. I was like, I wouldn't even spar. I would just be doing drilling, work on your skill development, whether it's on the ground, whether it's in your wrestling, whether it's in your boxing. Just do skill development. Get your skills better. Don't worry about the sparring. When fights start to open up and come back around, then you can start that stuff. So for a lot of the guys, like, and there's a lot of guys that I help out that are, you know, getting close to 30. So I'm like, the biggest thing is keeping the miles low. You know what I mean? For my last couple of camps, the sparring was definitely a lot different than it was in the beginning. In the beginning, it was me and Brennan Ward and Chuck O'Neill pretty much in a street fight in, in, inside the gym, you know? So times are different now. Like these people yeah. can't do it like that, you know? Um, Cause I don't know when these shows are going to open back up. I heard that New Hampshire is going to open back up hopefully soon. And these guys are going to be able to do shows up there. So keep the miles low. Once the fights start opening back up, then you can get back into sparring and then, and then we'll kind of go from there pretty much, but it's tough to stay motivated when there's no fights around, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And uh, you know, uh, hopefully we see, you know, cage Titans and, and CES back on a, on a regular groove very, very soon. Um, I like that you just said, kind of keep the miles low, um, especially for maybe guys that are, are getting up there into the thirties. Um, you know, it's funny. Cause you know, you look at a guy like Max Holloway who claims that he doesn't even spar anymore. Um, you know, yeah. or he doesn't spar at all. And, 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 you know, you, you just tell me about when you're sparring back in the day and it's a, it's a street fight. I mean, how different is it from, from, you know, your, your days back in, you know, the 2010s and everything to, to now, how different is it to kind of watch on both sides? Very different, but it depends what gym you go to, you know, like some gyms, you know, there's still a lot of like old school boxing coaches, which, you know, I've done some boxing sparring mm -hmm. and, you know, it's different than MMA. There's a lot more punches thrown. You're going to get hit a lot more, um, but obviously the gloves and the gear is a lot bigger. So it's a little bit different, but, you know, like I said, for my last few camps, I'm not going to say that I pick and chose my sparring partners, but I was really smart with who I chose. And, uh, you know, because I w wanted to keep the miles low. My last fight, I was 37 years old. You know, you want you want to make sure that you're you're healthy. Yeah. I don't care how good a shape you're in. If you're not healthy, you're not going to perform well. You know, I'd rather be 8%. Yeah. Or I'd rather be 100% healthy, but in like 70% in shape than I normally am and be able to go in there 100% healthy, you know, with no injuries, then be, you know, in peak yeah. form, physical condition, but have injuries left and right. You know what I mean? Up and down my body. Like injuries are yeah. tough. So the, the biggest thing. It's staying healthy. And I tell guys, keep the, you know, leave the fight for the fight in the cage. Don't leave your fight inside the gym. Cause I've seen 
Trust me. I mean, I can tell stories all day. I've seen some serious guys get in gym wars, and then they go out and fight, and you can tell, you know. Listen to GSP. He was on Joe Rogan. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And he, talk, and he talked and, uh, about that. He did. He, it, it, he talked about he talked about how he spars light and how you know he never got anything out of hard sparring. He would get it out of like the flowy stage type stuff, and I agree with him. Mm-hmm. And and you know, like you just said, the the hard sparring and going into fights, you know, injured and everything like that. It, how hard is it to control a fighter? To you know that 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 maybe is a wild card that that wants to go hard every day in the gym. How easy is it to kind of get in their head and say, "Hey, you know, this is what you got to do." Trust me, I had one. His name was Brennan Ward, and he was like a pit bull on a leash. <laughs> and trying to control that kid was like a full time job man, because I would walk into gyms and see guys that fight in the UFC put their head down and be like, "Oh man, not this kid today," you know, like. <laughs> he, he, um, you know, it was it was all or nothing with a kid like that. So I used to make him spar with me, you know, because yeah. like I wouldn't like you know, it, uh, it, it's hard. It's not hard because some kids have that mentality where it's kill or be killed, whether they're in the gym, they're in yeah. Target, or they're in a cage. They don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I love I love that you had him spar with you uh, to to keep him yeah. to keep him to keep him sane. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so you know we're gonna touch a little bit more on this next round. Um, but but I do want to talk about or begin to talk about. Um, you know we've talked about the, the New England family scene and and the grandfather of it all, I guess, is Mr. Joe Lozon. Um, you know, you've, you've been trained by Joe Lozon. You train with Joe Lozon. You know, you've seen him in action on both sides as the fighter, as the co-coach, all this stuff. You know, give us a little bit on Joe Lozon. We're going to talk about it next round too, but, um, you know, just, just tell us about the guy. Oh, he's the man, dude. Joe's one of my favorite people on this planet, dude. He, um, you know, Joe's one of those guys who helps, he helps everybody, man. And he doesn't ask for anything in exchange I mean, he's helped out so many guys more than he possibly knows in his gym, you know. So many guys in New England have gotten so much better because that dude just welcomes them in with open arms, you know. And and like I said, he's helped me out for my fights. He's cornered me for a few of my fights. And and he's just a great dude. I, you know, I helped him a lot for as a lefty when he fought a few taller guys. I went in and, and I helped him with some sparring. And, and uh, so, you know, Joe's one of those guys that just, you know, he, he helped me a lot. I helped him a lot. Like, he's just a great dude, man. Like I said, he's one of my favorite people that I've ever met in MMA, man. And uh, he's just – the dude's a savage too, man. Like he's, he's, uh, he seems like a little computer geek nerd, but you throw a mouthpiece in that kid's mouth and put some gloves <laughs> on and he's, he's, he's a tough dude, man. <laughs> I love the computer geek nerd. <laughs> that brings us to the end of round number three. We'll catch up for round, round number four. All right, 10 minutes on the clock here for round number four. You know, like you said, the door is not closed. I, you know, I'm not closing the Greg Rabella door on, on an MMA comeback, but it seems that you're fully focused on coaching. Um, and with a guy like Joe Lozon, how much are you still learning as a coach? I mean, I think we always have these ideas in our head that coaches know, know it everything. They know everything. They know it all. Um, but how much do you learn on a daily basis, you know, from Joe, from, from Brian, from all these guys that, that you train with? Yeah, it's, you know, anytime you surround yourself with good high level coaches like that, you're going to pick stuff up all the time. I pick up stuff from Joe, from Brian, like when I even when I see like, you know, whether it's watching Jorgen and sparring or grab or whatever, you pick up, you pick up stuff from everybody. And I still currently myself, like I did jujitsu today at Tim Burrell's. I still do jujitsu with Pete Jeffries. So I still grapple with a bunch of different guys. And like I said, I still learn from them. 
I still boxed with Peter Manfredo every week. So I'm still picking up different stuff in boxing. My striking has probably gotten even better than it was before, you know? So you have to, like, in my, in my opinion, like, I'm still young enough where I can still train. You know, I still keep training because it's kind of like a skill development for me. And, and, and I can learn these things and pass them off, yeah. you know? Um, still training is something that definitely helps, you know? Like, still grappling. And, and, and I don't spar anymore, but still grappling and still hitting mitts and still doing boxing workouts. That definitely helps me because, like I said, that's just going to develop more skills and, and more stuff that I can share with others. And, and you know, we talked about how Joe Lozon's, you know, Lozon's gym has been the epicenter of New England, and, and it really has built this family atmosphere. You know, you 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 mentioned it, and, and I'm going to ask you to get a little more into it. And on these Sundays, you know, uh, Saturday, Sunday, sparring, everything, um, rolling together, and, and, and you look around, and there's guys from everywhere sitting there ready to learn from Joe Lozon and yourself and, and others um, training with the best of New England. Yeah. I mean, there there's, I mean, for one of my fights, I mean, it was a Saturday and it was like, you know, Rob Font, Calvin Cater and Joe Lozon are in the cage. And then it's me, Joe Schilling, Cowboy Cerrone, Fabio Chirant, Jorgen DeCastro, Mike Rodriguez all in the other room and Ross Levine from Glory Kickboxing in the other room sparring. So it's like, you can't get better guys than that. You know what I mean? So it's, I was yeah. getting like best of the best sparring partners and, and training. And it's, it just brings a good vibe into the room. Like that's the best thing. Like the energy in the room when there's a lot of really high level guys in there, it's just different. You know what I mean? And, and it just, it elevates you because if I'm going with a really good guy, what am I going to do? I'm not, I'm going to step my game up and he's going to step his game up. So it kind of just elevates everybody. And that's how everybody gets better in my opinion, you know? And, and it goes into, you know, you hear it all the time about you can't be the top dog in a small place. You, you've got to, you know, elevate yourself to a new place and, yeah. and be the low dog and, and work your way up, uh, you know. And 100%. we see it all the time with, with people moving from small gyms to, to bigger gyms, um, mm -hmm. you know, and, and getting that bigger gym atmosphere and getting a taste of it. Absolutely. No, I mean, I'm not – I mean, a lot of people kind of go by that rule. Like, you're only going to be as good as your sparring and your training partners. Yeah. And, and, and you know, <laughs> talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> and, and talk to me about the, the, the importance of, you know, when you are training for a fight and when you're coaching someone training for a fight, what, what's, and maybe it depends on the fighter and who they're fighting, but you know, so often as fans, we just think about, well, there's a game plan for a certain fighter. So, you know, fighter A, you're fighting this person. They're a, you know, jujitsu special specialist. Let's work on grappling. Um, yeah. How much of it is that compared to, just getting a peak Mike Rodriguez or a peak Randy Costa or a peak Mitch Raposo um, and not really even worrying about what, what, what the other guy's doing. Well, you definitely have to worry about what the U I'm not going to say you have to worry about it, but you have to know what the other guy's like best assets are. Yeah. Like I always say, like, I like yeah. to know, you know, my, like, I'd like to know the opponent's strengths and his weaknesses. And you know what I mean? We take advantage. We try to eliminate one and take advantage of the other, you know? And, and with like, so let's look at Randy, like, for his last fight, like we went over a few different things and, and he would send me all of his sparring videos and I would cut them all up into pieces and I would send him videos back and I would say stuff like, you know, like, don't do this, you know, keep doing this and try this. And and then, you know, I would always like to have like an A, B and a C game plan. You know what I mean? If something doesn't go, yep. then we switch it up to this. And if that works, then we keep going with that. If that doesn't work, then we switch it to this. Like you have to have like game plans. These coaches are too smart yep. nowadays and fighters are too well-rounded. Yep. Like, you have to have an A, B, and a C game plan because if yeah. Randy goes out and breaks his hands in the first round, he's got to have something else under under his tool belt, you know? That's why guys like Rob Font are so good. Rob Font can 
knock yeah. you out on the feet. If he breaks his hands, he can take you down and submit you. And, and you know, speaking of Rob Font, it's just just reminding myself that we get a Cody Garbrandt Rob Font fight, um, you know, coming up, and that is just a banger. And and, and you know, obviously, be yeah, rooting for Rob, but what a what a fight right yeah. there! Oh my um, god, <laughs> what a fight! And so, oh, I can't wait. And so, oh, tell me you about know. you know, we talked about best moment. <laughs> we talked about best moment as a fighter, um, and we've talked about some great moments as a coach. Um, what for you has been the top moment? Um, I have a guess in my head for what it is, but I'd like to hear yours. Best moment as a coach? Yeah. Um, you know, man, um, I don't know. It's tough. You know, Calvin Cater knocking out Burgos was pretty sweet. Randy Costa versus Boston Salmon was, was uh, that was freaking awesome. Um, but I'm, I'm going to say Josh Deakman. Yeah. Um, you know, Josh was a good buddy of mine. He was signed with Bellator. He fought uh, Mike Wessel, who was like a, a UFC guy, and he was like a big underdog. And this was years ago. This is probably like 2013. But Josh went through a lot of stuff like outside that a lot of people didn't know about that I knew about, like on a personal level, because Josh is a good friend of mine. So I just knew yeah. like what he was going through. Mm-hmm. Like he lost one of his best friends. And a lot of people just, you know, they just see Josh as this big, mean dude. And, and he's an emotional dude, too. So knowing what he went through, like losing one of his friends and then going out and fighting, it was like a really big, you know, like a huge win. And it was like a really emotional night for like everybody, you know. So me knowing that and like what he went yeah. through and like overcoming that and winning like in that kind of a fashion, like you could go back and watch that fight. That was one of my favorite knockouts of all time. Um, that was definitely number one. You know, Josh fighting Mike Wessel was, was, was pretty sweet, man. And to go back and, you know, because because as a coach, you have, you know, a, a, such a special relationship with your fighters um, and, and to kind of know what the fans don't know, sometimes what the promoters don't know. Like you just said, you knew because you were good friends with them. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. maybe if you weren't such good friends with them, you wouldn't even know as a coach um, Yeah, to kind of watch these guys and their background stories. I mean, we see it with Randy um, and, and Devin Carrier, you know, and him carrying around the picture yeah. to watch them and know these stories in the background to then watch them, you know, get that big win or that big moment or get signed by that big promotion. I mean, is that the most special part of coaching? Oh, hundred percent, you know, hundred percent, you know, cause like you said, you get to know these guys on a personal level and they become like family to you. You know, you, you spend a lot of time inside the gym with these guys training them. I spend a lot of time going over film and, and doing all this stuff. And, you know, you spend a lot of time away from your family when you're in a camp with a guy too, you know, like look at Tyson man. that kid spends more time in the gym than he does at home, you know? So it's, it's definitely rewarding, yeah, man, when, yeah. when, you, when you see a guy and you, and you get to know him on that personal level and you don't know what guys are going through. And everybody acts different on fight week's the hardest part, man, because a lot of people act different on fight week. And, uh, you know, you kind of have to treat every fighter different. And, um, yeah, you know, it's, 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 it's a crazy sport, but the fighters are even crazier because they're just so different. Some guys are so cool, calm, and collected. Other guys are, like, the biggest head cases. So it's, it's uh, yeah, it keeps you on your toes. Keep <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Keeps you on your toes. Um, now, when you do go, do you do you have an aspiration to go and buy a gym and be the head coach? And will it be named the Portuguese Scumbag via Randy Costa? <laughs> so my wife and I have a gym in in Rhode Island, in Cumberland, Rhode Island. And it's like a fitness gym, but you know I have like a whole boxing set up in the back there. Yeah. Um, I had a cage. I sold it to Joe Lozon. But uh, you know, I mean, I, I just honestly, when when guys come, they just we do boxing workouts at my gym, and if 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 they want me to watch yeah. sparring, I just go with them to another gym. We go to Lozon's or I'll go wherever, you know what I mean? But usually it's yeah. like I go, like I went to Lozon's and watched Mitch spar. I've been there a million times to watch Randy and Calvin spar. Um, 
but you know, for, for me, like I, I'm going to stick with my gym. I'm never going to open an MMA gym. I'm, I'm going to be quite yeah. honest with you. Um, yeah. you know, for me, it's like a hobby. Like I, I love coaching MMA. It's kind of like, like a, I'm not going to say it's a side business for me. It's a hobby. Like, you know, I work full time yeah. at, at, at the gym with my wife and we have a ton of members and I do a ton of personal training there. That's like my main job. And then uh, coaching fighters on the side, is just it's just fun for me, to be honest. I just love doing it, you know, and yeah. I'll always do it. Is it ever hard to kind of turn on which switch you're on? And I'm sure it's not. You've done it for so long now. But but to when you're with kind of civilian A versus when you're with, you know, Mitch Raposo or, or Mike Rodriguez, do you ever kind of find yourself pushing them a little harder and be like, oh, oh crap, maybe I'll, I'll calm it down? Oh, no way. The girls, the girls and the soccer moms that I train are way tougher than the fighters, like mentally and physically. So it's, I can push them a lot harder and, and I yell at them a lot more than I do. <laughs> I yell at them a lot more than I do the fighters. The fighters are a little, you know, some of them are a little, they get a little soft and they, they cry a little bit. But. <laughs> <laughs> the, the rumor is that the newest uh, training regiment in uh, New England is just having the fighters come watch you train the soccer moms and everything. And that just pushes everyone a little harder. Could be, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, bring, that brings us to the end of round number four. Let's catch up for round number five. All right, five minutes on the clock here for round number five. More of a hobby-based round. I know you just called coaching MMA fighters your hobby, but um, you know you told us you play hockey. Tell us about Gregor Bello outside of the cage, outside of coaching, outside of fighting. Um, is there a Gregor Bello outside of all of that? Yeah, I'm, I'm a pretty quiet, like, you know, I kind of keep to myself a lot, you know what I mean? I, I, you know, when I'm not working in the gym or, or training fighters or, or whatnot, you know, I, I'm home with my family. I got two kids and, uh, you know, I'm pretty much home with the family and I, I don't do much. Dude. I watch movies. I watch the UFC. I play video games. I don't really go out. I don't really, I'm kind of a boring guy to be honest with you, you know what I mean? But I don't really, yeah, I don't, I don't really do much. You know what I mean? If I work out in the yeah. gym, I what, train people. The, uh... What's the uh, go-to video game? Um, I like I like sports games like NBA 2K or like NHL. Yeah, that's that's the same with me. I can't play the like Call of Duty. Like get get that away from me. Yeah, I don't. I do that. You kidding me? I, I try. To, and, you know, you know, tell me about kids, a lot of the young kids at the gym. They play those games, and I, I turn it on, and I get killed in five seconds, and then I just get frustrated, and I throw the controller. Off. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. I, I, I'm the guy that walks around, you know, I'll have, I'll have a one and O kill and I'll be, you know, bragging about it to the friends. And then suddenly I'm one and, you know, killed 13 times and they're all laughing at me and I turn the PS4 off, you know? Yeah. So, uh, that's pretty much as much as I get into call of duty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, do you, what are you a, you know, Bruins, Patriots, Red Sox? Oh. I mean, are you a, uh, so Listen, ready? You I'm doing this interview right now, and I'm missing the Bruins game. They're up two to nothing against the Capitals. <laughs> I'm a diehard. I'm a diehard Bruins and Celtics fan. Like diehard. I have to get a new TV every couple of weeks because I throw it against the wall. <laughs> well, I won't bring up the Celtics. I mean, I'm a diehard, yeah, I'm a diehard no, Bruins don't. fan yeah. myself. Um, I won't bring. Uh, yeah, I'll leave the Celtics out of it for now. Um. Bruins, Bruins, that was a pretty one against the Flyers. I was happy with that. Yeah. Like you said, they're up right now against the Capitals. I do want to touch on the Patriots. I mean, are you, you know, were you happy to watch Tom Brady win his seventh title in the Buccaneers jersey? No, I was not. I was pissed. I'm a bitter Boston sports fan, and I was pissed. 
because we let that guy slide away. See you later, Tom. And then he goes and wins another Super Bowl. And, yeah. and we get Cam Newton, and yeah. the guy can't throw 15 yards soon. <laughs> so. And I, I, so, so I, I was, I was happy. I was happy to see Tom win. But I agree with you. I was, I was angry in the sense of a Patriots fan. Um, you know, why is this guy not our quarterback? And why didn't we just go out and spend a little more money like the Buccaneers did and have a legitimate roster around him and let him win us another Super Bowl? Um, you, know, you know, what I, I hate like, to see Tom Brady retired. Not you, go ahead. So the thing is, is we're so spoiled as Boston sports fans. I mean, it started with the Red Sox in 03. And then the in the Patriots in 01. Then I mean, every single team has won a championship over the course of the last 15 years. Like my dad, growing up, was always like, "I yeah. never got this." Like the Bruins won when Bobby Orr was there, but I never like the Celtics won in the 80s. But he's like, when I was a young kid, like none of these teams ever won. He's like, you guys are so spoiled, and now you're gonna cry about it when we get when we lose and we start to stink again. And he's right. Yeah, 100. Uh, he's absolutely right. And, uh, you know, it makes me think of the, uh, the picture of the little kid. I don't know if you've ever seen it at the championship parade and he's like seven years old and he's 11 years old. And he's like, this is my ninth yeah. championship parade. This is my 12th yeah, championship parade. Um, you know, yeah. he's, he's sitting there, he's, you know, got more championship parades than, than years on this earth. Um, yeah. but that's funny. Cause, cause I hear it all the time from my father, you know, it's, it's, you know, you weren't around when the Patriots were awful. You, you, you didn't have to watch the, the Red Sox, blah, blah, blah. And it's, it's, uh, it's it's 100 percent true. No, it is. It is. But now we're back to stinking, and it is what it is. <laughs> exactly. And and again, we won't talk about the Celtics. We'll just watch the Bruins no. and uh, hope for the hope for the best. Is you know, they're at least giving us something. Um, and, and you know, last one for me here. Favorite movie. Oh man, why do you gotta do that to me? I love movies. Um. <laughs> oh, and you know it's gonna be one of the boss like. It's like a tie. I love I love Black Mass, The Town, and The Departed. Are like my three. Yep. It's like one A, B, and C. Yeah, those are like that's it for me. And I, I, I love think, those. Like, yeah, and and I think of of those three, The Departed has to be the top one. Oh, 100 percent. That's A. Has Without to be question. the top one. Departed, one of the best movies. If you, all of you out there, non Bostonians, if you have not seen The Departed. I highly recommend it. I, as does Greg here. Um, it's just one of the best movies ever. Yep, without question. Jack Nicholson, baby. Oh my gosh, one of the best performances ever. Yeah. Well, Greg, that's all I've got for you, man. I appreciate the time. I loved having you on here, adding you to the resume of the great coaches we've had, and I look forward to the future. Um, and 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 watching Greg Rubello come out of retirement again. <laughs> and jump back in the CES cage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, no. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. It was a good time. I like it. I love the format. That was great. Man.